Welcome to a special throwback QWERTY Writing Life episode. We hope you enjoy this blast from the past, and we invite you to subscribe to our monthly QWERTY newsletter for updates and behind-the-scenes details. Keep the chat going by hitting reply there, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It is another week. Hello and welcome. We are so happy to be here with you and looking forward to talking about our wonderful topic, creative women, past, present, and future. But first, let's talk about our creative weeks. So, Joy, what did you do today? So, this week, I've been focused on an online workshop. Uh, When all of the craziness of COVID started, I wanted to do something um, that I hoped would be beneficial. So I set up a workshop about how to write book reviews for uh, kids and their parents to do together. Uh, And so I had a lot of fun putting everything together. I did four Facebook Live videos and a lot of graphics, PDFs, stuff like that that went along with it uh, and had a few people join the group to do it. And hopefully I'll get some feedback. Um, I think that in looking back, I think that there's so much stuff right now that's free and is out there for people to do that is just overwhelming and and people don't really have extra time right now. In fact, it's probably the opposite. Um, So it may not have been the best time to do it, but I'm glad that I did because this is, um, this is a topic that started as a three blog post series um, that I wrote a while back. And so now I've done all the work to convert it into this workshop, which I can do in person one day, (laughs) if we can ever get together again. Um, And then also it worked really well uh, to do it online in the format that I set up. So that's been kind of cool, just making graphics to go along with everything and thinking through how to separate the the thoughts and the tips and the things like that and how to gear it uh, toward kids, uh, but also make it something that can be done as a family to kind of uh, bring the family together around books. So, yeah, so what about That's you? An, girl, it has been chaos central over here in Smithfield. Uh, I'm so excited about your, your um, workshop. So I just wanted to, to say real quick, I think it was a really good idea because you know, they're kids that, that they read these books and they kind of want their opi- opinion heard and they want to tell people about them and they don't know how to. So you're giving them a really thoughtful way of doing that. And of course, reviews are a big deal for all of your authors. So they're, they're supporting their authors in the way that they can because they can't make money yet. <laughs> right. And you're also kind of prepping them too for real life criticisms and how to do it in a way that is beneficial, not only to themselves, but to the people who they're giving criticism to. It's just, just really cool because it's more than just a book review. It's like a life skill. It so is. yeah, you're right. Kudos about that. to that. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we've been doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So last week was our spring break and uh, I wanted it to feel like spring break to our kids too, instead of some sort of like quarantine pandemic I don't know, hot house or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. seeing flashes of like outbreak, and, like, like Dustin Hoffman in like a suit. <laughs> so we did a lot of like arts and crafts and things like that. We worked out in the yard. We played in the yard. Lots of um, and stuff with like water hoses and, and things like that. But one of my favorite things that we did, we did a lot of arts and crafts too. So we just kind of went up into my space. Up, uh, have a, like a little loft that nobody likes to go in because the stairs are really far apart for some reason. When whoever built the house built the stairs really far apart. Yeah. So we went up the really wide stairs and found all different kinds of pipe cleaners. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> we found some pipe cleaners and some puff balls and some some regular paper and then we also found some things that we're really excited about too about the um the mo willems lunch doodles so my kids really love mo willems and so we started doing the mo willems lunch doodles which are a part of the kennedy center youtube page and so if you guys are interested in them, they're about 20 minutes or something like that. And it is so much fun. Like he like takes you into his, his um, cabinet drawers that have all of the original art of some of his books. I mean, he takes, he shows you his sketchbooks from like the idea orienting original idea to, uh, to what it is today inside of a book. And, uh, and I didn't know that he started out as like a, a Sesame street writer and, and animator. And so he showed us some of, I know. <laughs> so, um, so we did that and then like my kids can draw the pigeon and they can draw Gerald and the piggy. And, oh, he did this really cool thing. It's called the animation cycle and it's so simple and it's so cool. So you like, take a strip of paper that's maybe about an inch and a half wide, two inches wide, and you fold it in half and you draw something like with maybe with his mouth open. Uh, so like we drew the pigeon with his mouth open on the bottom part and then on top of it right above where you can where the mouth is open you close it with his you, you draw it with his mouth closed and then you take your pencil and you roll the top layer with his mouth closed up until it's curly and then you put your pencil inside of the curl and move it back and forth on top of the one that's on the bottom and it looks like the guy's talking like the little pigeons talking that's so cool it was so cute it's so cute so if you want to go to my instagram page or my uh, facebook page you can see that i took a video of it my kids going let me drive the bus Well, it's moving now he didn't get it like directly on top and so it's a little bit different but you could play around with that it could be so much fun that's so neat. I have loved watching all of your posts and everything. It's been so much fun. We've had a really good time. Um, I've cut up like some of the egg, car egg cartons that we've had. So they're, they're using those as like blocks. And they made a mountain with a cave with a gate, which, you know, evidently caves have gates in their mind. And that's cool, too. So it was just... Lots of uh, lots of creativity happening, and it's been a, this week has been a little tougher because I started back to work and I had to move my office home, and uh, so I don't have all that extra time to hang out with the kids and do these kind of things. But they're they're creating on their own now, so hopefully last week gave them some foundational things and just you know just the freedom to create at home too, as I plow away <laughs> on the computer so <laughs> it'll all work out y'all are gonna do great yeah, for sure for sure it's gonna be great and, and then next week we start school on top of everything else too so I'll let you know if, well if I'm alive I will let you know how it's going <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness and next week we will be doing our interview with a creative and that mm -hmm. is Rachel Ritchie. So she's going to be on and she is another writer mom. So I know mm -hmm. she's dealing with some of the same things right now with having her kids at home and trying to teach them all and on top of everything else. So I think we'll all probably have something to, to say next week about all that. <laughs> going to be a good conversation. <laughs> it is. We love her. We're looking forward to this one. Yeah, so yes. this week's topic. So let me go ahead and, and introduce our topic. So we knew, you know, this March has been Women's History Month, and we wanted to do something um, just to give a tribute. And so here is what we came up with. And I hope that you guys are as excited about this as we have been in preparing for it. So we believe that all women are creative in a multitude of ways. Often women have had to go to great lengths to follow their passions. For example, a lot of women writers in history had to use men's pen names um, in order to get their books published. Or maybe they had to sue for the recognition they deserved for something um, that they did to make events that have definitely altered history. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of those as we go. That took creativity in and of itself. And in addition to recognizing the creativity of women, we want to highlight the inspiration many have filled us with as we pay this tribute to the creative women of our past, the present, and future. 
So there we go. That's our topic. That's right. And at the end of all of this, we will also give our sage advice to future <laughs> ladies, <laughs> too. So. We hope it's sage anyway. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. let you figure that out. <laughs> sage so far. Can we say that? <laughs> okay. So this is how I found Sojourner Truth. She's the first lady on my list. We were doing the travel journal, and my supervisor wanted to call it Sojourner. And I was like, oh, man, I think that's great. But I want to get the exact definition of what Sojourner is so I can make sure that everything that we're doing fits into this, you know, un under this title. So I typed in Sojourner, and one of the first things that came up in, in Google was Sojourner Truth. And I was like, what? What is who is this? And I started, this has been a long time ago, guys. So she has stuck with me. And so when Joy brought up this topic, I was like, she's one of my gals. She's one of my gals I'm putting on the list. So Sojourner Truth was sold into slavery at nine years old with the name Isabella Bonfrey. She was abused by her owners, forbidden to marry the man that she loves, promised freedom by her owner, and then was rejected it, walked away, with the child that she could, she actually had an infant at the time and she walked away, literally walked off of the plantation into the woods to be free. Um, she became a Christ follower. And when she was legally free, she went to court against her last owner who illegally sold her five-year-old son to a slave owner in Alabama. She won that court case and got her son back which is one of the biggest things to me because she went into a white man's court and she fought against another white man to get her, her baby son back. And I just would love, have loved to have been a fly on the wall to know exactly what words she used to convince <coughs> these people at this time to get her baby back. She changed her name to Sojourner Truth because she said that the Lord called her to travel and to preach her truth. And she couldn't read. And she was a black woman. And so the odds were already stacked against her. And be, uh, in, in spite of all of that, she became this well-known force for Christ and for women. So she began to advocate for women's rights. And she was an abolitionist as well. So she published her memoirs in 1850, The Narrative of Sojourner Truth. She spoke her tale to a transcriber. And she advocated for blacks to fight in the Civil War. And they, they were able to do that. She helped get that done. And whenever that was solidified, she brought food and clothes to them in their camps. So she had an audience with Abraham Lincoln. She cut prominent women's rights ties when the people who she was working with said that they would support women's right to vote, but not black women's right to vote. Her most well-known speech was called Ain't I a Woman? It's short and it's blunt. And it's so, so powerful. And it's focusing on the hypocrisy of men and the fact that women work just as hard as men do to get the things done. And that Jesus came from God and a woman and men didn't have a thing to do with it. <laughs> oh, <that's funny. laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I definitely am going to so, have to listen to that. Absolutely. And guys, there's going to be a link in the show notes too for a YouTube uh, video of Carrie Washington interpreting Ain't I a Woman speech. She brought, brought tears to my eyes. She brought chills to my skin. Uh, <coughs> she did a really, really good job. And I also have a couple of links if you want to learn a little bit more about Sojourner Truth. Uh, I have some links in there for you there. But something that I thought was really um, kind of sums her up is that uh, she focused on the humanity of people, not the color of their skin, not the gender that they were. Uh, and she actually has a quotation saying, religion without humanity is very poor human stuff. That's what I got. We've got a lot of people, so I don't want to like take all of the time. But yeah, definitely check up on Sojourner Truth if you don't know a lot about her. I really want to read her, her memoir. How cool is that? She couldn't even read. And yet she wrote this book. She, she, she didn't let that stop her 
from doing what she wanted to do. And I think that she that's found, another amazing thing about so many of these that we're going to talk about. She found a way to do what, you know, everything that she, and actually that memoir gave her the platform for the women's rights. Okay. So her women's rights came after her memoir, her, her speaking and that sort of thing. So she was already a traveling preacher, preaching her truth. And she said that the main thing that she talked about was her transformation, like her, her going from not having God to having God. Like that's what she spoke about while she was traveling and preaching. So she, she had garnered up enough attention as a preacher, and then uh, she wrote her, her memoirs, and then that gave her more attention to become a prominent women's rights and abolitionist activist. So, yeah, just a woman who didn't know what boundaries were, and I think that that is her strength in all of this. That's so neat. So another one, and this is something that I saw on Twitter. <clears throat> and this is another one of our author friends. Her name is Michelle Keener. And her grandmother, she did the sweetest tribute to her grandmother on International Women's Day uh, this past month. And so I asked Michelle if I could share this with you guys on our podcast. And she was so gracious. And she said yes. And um, so she said that she hopes that it's a blessing to us and to you guys. So her grandmother's name was Jo Annie Tubbs, and she passed away back in November 2000, just a few months after Michelle got married. Um, so here is what Michelle had to say about her grandmother. <clears throat> My grandmother was left an orphan when her Irish immigrant mother died. She was sent to a convent school and ran away when she was 16. She married a sailor, but after World War II, he abandoned her, and she became a single mother. She worked as a cocktail waitress, a teacher, and eventually got a job with the government. She worked on the Apollo space program, met Neil Armstrong, and her name is engraved on a plaque left on the moon. And, and oh, I should have thought to, to tell you all this or figure out a way I could show you, but she actually has a picture in her Twitter thread of her grandmother in Mission Control in a smart-looking little blue suit. It's so cute. I love it. When she was repeatedly passed over for promotion and forced to watch men she trained be promoted over her, she sued the government for sexual discrimination and won. So, <clears throat> she retired and helped raise me. She taught me how to crochet, how to smoke, not on purpose, and how to make mashed potatoes. Her hair was fire engine red, and she drove a yellow firebird that she cut the seatbelts out of because they wrinkled her clothes. I love that. Okay, can I just say, like, <laughs> I want to hang out with this lady. Like, seriously. When she died, she had advanced dementia. She didn't remember what year it was, but she told me stories about Hell's Angels and NASA, and she still didn't take any crap from anyone. She smuggled cigarettes into her nursing home and asked for her dog to visit her. When she died, she left me her Irish spirit, a ring her ex-husband won in a poker game in Japan, a lace tablecloth that took her three years to crochet, and a pack of unfiltered Chesterfields. <laughs> I just love that, that tribute to her grandmother. I thought that was pretty special. Oh my goodness, what a woman. Yep. So Joe Annie Tubbs, you are remembered. And that that's was, special. That's, that's so special. That is so special. <laughs> so when I saw that about her working, uh, you know, in NASA and, and having all of that go on, it made me think about all these books. I know that there's a movie coming out soon or the book or whatever, maybe a combination of the two. But I found a link that I'm going to put in the notes. Um, that has seven books that tell the real story of women behind Moonshot. And I just think that this is such a neat story to, that we're starting to see more of these, these stories come out and come to light. And so if you guys read those books or you watch some of the movies, you can think about Jo Annie and think about Michelle and her relationship with her grandmother. And, then, and Michelle is making her mark too. Oh, she um, is. So just a well, fabulous author and a wonderful positive presence on social media and stuff as well. So following in her grandmother's footsteps, making her work. Yes. So true. <laughs> 
So another thing that um, I was thinking about books and not necessarily um, just the women writers behind the books, although that's important in itself, but the first book that came to my mind when we started talking about creative women in history, and especially those that maybe you don't know a lot about, I immediately thought of Snowflower and the Secret Fan, which was written by Lisa C., one of my favorite authors. And this book is all about the secret language of women in China. And y'all had never heard about this until reading this book. And it is just the neatest thing. Um, so the women in China would write letters to one another uh, in a language that was only for women. So they could, you know, when they're separated from their families, they go off to, you know, be married to some stranger and they become part of his household under his mom and, and all of that that goes along with that, um, they would be able to write these letters to their friends and their cousins and their moms and their sisters and whoever. And they were able to tell truths, you know, what was really going on mm -hmm. with them. And um, oh, it's just a beautiful book. So if you guys are looking for a book, if you enjoy historical fiction, I highly recommend this one. Um, mm -hmm. But Lisa C. writes a lot of books like this that she's found so many stories that, um, you know, aren't as well known, I guess. Um, but I have, I'm going to put in the, in the links not only a, a link directly to Snowflower and the Secret Fan, but also another one that goes to all of her books, her historical fiction mm -hmm. books. So you guys can look at all of those. Oh, wow. That just made me think of Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Oh, I still have you? that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And that's like a generational thing. So you have like, I think it's four immigrant uh, Chinese mothers, mothers who have had children in America. So they grew up in China. They came over here, had children in America. And um, and they're trying to pass down their, their truths, you know, how to live to their daughters. And their daughters don't understand because there's this cultural difference. And it's just, oh, it's just brilliant. And if you don't have time to read the book, get the movie. The movie is so good, too. And there is a movie for Snowflower and the Secret Fan as well. Um, so oh. like you said, like if you don't have time to read the book or something and it was a good, it was a good movie. Okay. So my next one is Hedy Lamar, and she is one that I found out once again, uh, Google came to save the day because it was like Hedy Lamar was a part of the Google search. You know, they changed the art every once in a while mm -hmm. on the Google search yeah. bar. So she, it was like the day that she I don't know, had invented something or so. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I clicked on it because I was like, what in the world is this? And I learned a little bit about Hedy Lamar, who was stinking amazing. So there is a link in the show notes for the Wonder Woman project. And it is the biography of Hedy Lamar. In 2018, they came out with a documentary called Bombshell, and it's you can get it on Amazon if you want if you want to see it. But it's her story; it's Hedy Lamar's story. And Hedy was born um, in Austria. Actually, she's a Jewish immigrant actress in the 1930s and 40s, and she began making pictures when she was 15 years old in Austria. And she was very beautiful, very very beautiful. Um, she also uh, came to America during the war and she started making films here and in between takes she would go to her trailer and invent things which was kind of cool right so someone had given her this small like chemistry set and so in her trailer she would make things and she invented some really interesting things so she knew that the soldiers in the war didn't have Coca-Cola. So she created this tab that fizzed up their water and made a carbonated drink so they could enjoy something that was similar to Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. um, isn't that nice? <laughs> so, uh, she also teamed up with Howard Hughes, who was also an inventor, to make airplanes go faster. And what she did was she bought 
a, a bird book and a fish book. And she found the fastest birds. She found the fastest fish. And she looked at their wings and their fins. And she helped redesign airplane wings so that they would be more aerodynamic. It's so cool. So her biggest thing that she did, though, was um, she created a way for radio waves to jump frequencies so that if if the enemy jams one frequency, the allies only missed a teeny tiny bit of the message rather than the whole thing. What was happening was the the reinforcements for food and water and that sort of thing was not able to get to the places it needed to go because the Nazis were jamming the frequencies and they didn't know where to go. So she created this and kind of helped save the day, right? And also that was the foundation for what we now know as Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. What? Bam. I mean, really. So this is the thing that kind of gets me, though. Um, Even when the person who was doing the documentary, even when she was interviewing people about Hedy Lamarr in 2017, it was believed that she was more likely a Nazi spy who had been given the the technology from the Nazis to like implant into the allies <laughs> like just um, and and so the Nazis were going to use that to infiltrate like you know messages and that sort of thing uh, that was more believable than the fact that she was pretty and smart at the same time wow that's 2017 guys like this is a time where we're supposed to be the most equal that we've ever been. And in 2017, a, a woman couldn't be pretty and smart at the same time. So just food for thought there. Uh, she said a couple of things. Uh, I have a couple of quotes from Hedy Lamar. Um, she said that analysis gave me freedom of emotion and fantastic confidence. I felt I had served my time as a puppet. So she she used her beauty in order to get the things that she wanted, but she also felt like um, being beautiful was more like being a marionette. And then toward the end of her life, she had she had children, and so she would call her son and leave these messages on his answering machine. And one of the messages that she left him was a poem, and this is a line from the poem. Give the world the best you have, and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. And I I do too. I think that um, just because people are mean doesn't mean that we have to give up. We should actually try harder. I agree. I agree so hard. Oh my goodness, I love that. (laughs) This is something that, and I hadn't planned to toss this in there, but I'm going to make it quick. So uh, I was a a journalist, and, you know, even though it hadn't been all that long ago, you still kind of, I would get those looks, like young girl reporter, she doesn't know anything. And so what I would do is I just decided I was going to prove them wrong. And so every single person who gave me that look, it wasn't long before they realized I was the reporter they wanted to come to. So, mm-hmm. yes, I so I so love that. So I love that you brought in the whole inventing part and everything because my daughter recently, she's in American Heritage Girls, uh, and they do a lot of different badge work and stuff like that. And so one of the badges that they did last semester was women inventors. And so each girl had to discover a woman inventor and do a presentation about her and all of this kind of stuff. And so my daughter found Margaret Maddie Knight. Um, She was one of the first women to actually get a patent. Okay. So at that time it wasn't a big deal or, you know, it was difficult for a woman to even get a patent on something that she had invented. And she invented the paper bag folding machine. (laughs) Okay. So you know how like paper bags have the, the, the flat bottom, Okay, well, she invented the machine that, like, made that happen a lot easier. So, there's that. And she also came up with a little 
um, some sort of a little part to add to a machine in a factory to make it safe. Because when she was 12 years old, she saw a little boy hurt very badly on one of these machines. And so she, at age 12, if I read this right, she was actually 12 when she came up with the piece that made this machine more safe for the people who used it. So she also um, had to sue to get her patent because a man took it as his own. And so she sued and actually won. So once again, that's pretty cool. So one of my favorite quotes that we found from her was, I'm only sorry I couldn't have had as good a chance as a boy and have been put to my trade regularly. So, you know, she, she made her way and she just kept plowing through and she made so many great contributions, but, you know, she recognized what more could I have done if I hadn't had these obstacles in the way? And I think that that was interesting. <clears throat> Another thing, just to throw this out there, we're going to put this link in the show notes. I discovered this um, as I was looking for things about who really invented the cotton gin. Okay, so there's some debate about this. And one of the people who is possibly uh, the one who really invented it, her name is Catherine Green. All right, so there's Eli Whitney, which if you had any schooling, <laughs> you had to know Eli Whitney invented the cotton machine. Like how many tests did we have that on, right? Okay, well, could have been Catherine Green. It could also have been some slaves. Um, so there's, you know, some debate about who it really was. And Smithsonian Institute has this PDF that is all set up for you to do a fun debate lesson. And it's geared towards 6th to 12th graders, which I know this is totally up your alley because May was like the debate champion in college. And so I just thought this was so cool. It basically just lines out how you can get a group of kids together and have them take sides and how they can have a debate. And so if you've got a bunch of teenagers around the house who are driving you nuts and you don't know what to do with them, there you go. <laughs> a debate lesson. <laughs> there was also a, a patent issue with Hedy Lamar. She tried to patent the, um, the frequency jumping thing. And she did, actually. She went to the patent office. She signed the paperwork and everything. And it was revoked after she had been issued the patent because she was an immigrant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And just, oh, uh, it is something, isn't it? And uh, also, I um, I only went to Octi finals with debate, and I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but somebody needed a partner and I was, you know, the linchpin. So <laughs> that's what happened there. Okay. Um, I need to get that straight. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there. People are going to start to try to argue with me and I'm going to be like, ah, <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> that is, that's great. So Joy, who are some of the inspirational women that you can think of today? Okay, so we are part of Writer Moms, Inc., and we may have mentioned that here before. Um, Autumn Lindsay and Everly Reed started this fantastic group of women who are just, y'all, they're so inspirational. They just really are, because it's just a bunch of moms who love to write, and they're trying to make it happen while they're also raising the little ones. <laughs> and so it's a, a super supportive group. It's a super encouraging group, and I'm super thankful for for them. So, yeah, and then just, you know, other women authors who we've become friends with, some who've never met in person, but we've become such good friends just through the process of, of being writers and learning our craft and uh, supporting one another. Um, you know, Rachel and Michelle and... Uh, you know, Kelsey Atkins is another a close friend of mine who I've never met, but we've we've chatted. You know, we've we've critiqued for one another, um, and there's so many others. But just it's inspirational just to be surrounded by these people. And I also think what's inspirational too is that you're bound not only because you're writers and things like that, but also because you have taken a step into the unknown, like. To, oh, I just did like a Frozen 2 thing accidentally. 
<laughs> have you been watching that? Sorry, I have children. Um, <laughs> but yet you've taken like this first step into the unknown and have put yourself out there in a very vulnerable place um, and have come back with these beautiful friendships. And I feel the same way too. Like I just, um, I've met, of course, Rachel and Alexa. Oh my goodness. Um, she's a force, man. Like I'm really, I kind of want to be her when I grow up, you know, like (laughs) she's amazing. Alexa Bigler, who, you know, a few weeks ago, we were part of the women in publishing summit and she heads that up and she, yeah, incredible. Wow. Yeah. And then just people we haven't met either. Of course, you know, I'm going to probably say Maggie Steve Otter's name in every episode. Mm-hmm. So just get ready for it, people. This has been, this is episode 47, I think. 48. And 48, episode yes. 48. And, and I probably have mentioned her name in at least 40 of them. <laughs> and the eight, I was thinking it. So, <laughs> but she is uh, just so inspiring, just doing her thing, finding a way. She had a corporate job when she first got out of college and she quit it to do full-time art. And she did like um, portrait, she did portrait drawings first. And then she sold pictures of uh, like drawings of famous art with cat heads. Like who, who does that? (laughs) Like, and she made a living on it. I mean, it's just amazing. And she wrote books in between there. And then she sold books in between there. And then she revised books in between there. She had kids. Like, I mean, she is, uh, and she also didn't let a label define her either. And that's what's so important too, I think, as we're going through all of these people, you know, just because just because Hedy Lamar was was a, a film star, she didn't stop doing the things that she loved to do, which was create, you know. And and just because, you just because we are who we are right now, doesn't mean that we can't do the things that we want to do. And following your passion is kind of a big deal. So just. You know, throwing that in there, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> that, that goes, that's beyond gender. That's beyond male or female or not like that. That's just being a human being. And I, I think another thing that's just so inspirational that I see so much, um, especially with women, I feel like it's, it's that doing so many things, you know, and, and juggling it all, but juggling it all because you don't want to let go of that passion, you know? And I I don't know, I just, I get so inspired and just thankful when I look around and see um, others who are are making it happen. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing, too, though. It might take you four times longer to make it happen Mm -hmm. than somebody who only has two things and you have 12 things. But that doesn't mean it won't happen. Exactly. And the thing that makes it happen is the fact that you don't stop and you don't exactly. give up. Yeah. Mm, preach, girl. There are other people, too, of course, that we, we are not saying right now because it's supposed to only be like a 30-minute show. So, <laughs> We've already but you know who you are. <laughs> oh, have we? <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> But we, um, we, you know that we love you. Yeah. Of course, Joy, you're on my list. So oh, just yes. throw yes. that out there. I, mean, you know, I felt like it was an unspoken. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <like> unspoken. <laughs> you for sure inspire me every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. You too with me. But a particular person that I would like to point out um, as we go through this, who has just been popping up in my week over and over again in in different areas too. Like you're talking about all the balls that we juggle. She's shown up in about four of them. (laughs) And I just thought this has to be a sign, right? That I need to be talking about her on this podcast tonight. And so, uh, so I don't ramble. I actually wrote something up. So um, I am going to talk about my grandmother who is, uh, her name is Toshiko Pigford and she is Japanese. I don't know if I truly understood my mamaw or grandmother, for those of you who are not fluent in Southern, 
until this week. All the little pieces of her, like the memories I had and the stories that I was told by my cousin Amy and other family members, they all fell together as I learned a little bit about the meaning of the Japanese word gaman. Gaman means to endure the seemingly unbearable with patience and dignity. I put a link to artist Dana Tamanachi's talk on gaman in the show notes. It's on YouTube. It's a really easy watch. It's like 17 minutes. I think you guys will really enjoy it. it has pictures. So. <laughs> this was the final piece of the puzzle that I needed to help understand my grandmother. But to help you listening and watching understand, I'm going to briefly explain how Gaman was practiced in the Japanese American internment camps during World War II. As you may know, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor by Japan, Americans, government and citizens alike, were very scared. So the government gathered Japanese Americans and forced them to live in internment camps from 1942 to 1945, so about three years. They were not comfortable places. They were not home. The people there were expected to press pause on their life to idle until the government decided to let them go. A huge number of internees were children, and the adults in the camps were determined to help them keep their innocence as best as they could. So they organized themselves. Doctors, teachers, seamstresses, artists, dance instructors, athletes, engineers, drafters of architecture, they made a community. Dana's grandparents met in the internment camps, and one of Dana's most prized possessions is an umbrella six inches in diameter made from toothpicks, a broken chopstick, and cigarette papers. It's beautiful. There's a picture of it in the YouTube video. She found a book called The Art of Gaman by Delphine Hirasana, where Dana discovered that internees planted gardens and made brooches out of seeds and shells, painted wood scraps, and made dolls and delicate miniature flower arrangements and more all out of things that they found, trash discarded, bottles and jars all used up. These people used creativity to endure the seemingly unbearable with patience and dignity. I believe my memo did the same thing. She was not in America during World War II. She met my grandfather after graduating from a prestigious college in Japan which was very strange because she was a woman and women in Japan did not go to college then. She worked as an English translator at a hospital and my American soldier grandfather was there to fix the morgue refrigerator. He didn't have the proper paperwork and Mamaw wouldn't let him in. <laughs> Thus began the Sukasaki Schumach romance. <laughs> she was disowned twice. Once when she married my grandfather, and once after the war was over and her family had a chance to invite her back in, and they didn't. Her brother did give her his first name to use as a last name, though. And yet, she was a part of the foundation of a beautiful family. When they returned to America, they came back to nothing because my grandfather's parents spent all the money he had sent home for them to live on. And yet, they built a beautiful life anyway. She found Christ. She made friends. She opened the eyes and hearts of a community as she endeared herself to them. She was a wonderful seamstress, making clothes for her five children, including gorgeous couture dresses for her two daughters. She made an Easter dress for me, too, and I just remembered that. <laughs> she laughs with her whole body fully holding nothing back, and she loves with her whole soul. She took the trash, the leftovers, and made beautiful things you can hold in your hands and made beautiful things you could hold in your heart. Come on. Amy, my cousin, told me a story this week that I think epitomizes how my memoir lives her life. Every year, my grandfather would buy a cow, and at the end of the year, they would butcher it. And every year, my grandmother would cry for the cow. That is how I want to love, repetitively, without the anticipation of loss. And that is how I want to live, boldly, without the anticipation of failure. 
My mama is 91 years old, and she's been inhibited by a stroke for years and is still choosing Christ and Gaman. Her art is living well, and her craft is love. Well, I'm all teary. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That is, that's special. So I thought of a couple of people in particular. So my sister Jane uh, has always been a huge inspiration to me. Uh, She's been one of my biggest supporters, one of my biggest fans, and just such a beautiful part of my life. I'm so thankful for her and um, for all that she has done for me, for all that she's just been there for me through so much. I feel like, you know, she has been a constant and I hope that the feeling is mutual that, you know, we've been there for each other. And I think that that's a good sister bond thing. Um, Just knowing that, that you have that sister there. Um, And then I had to think about my daughter. So, you know, I have a daughter who's rapidly becoming a young woman, you know, she's growing up. And so uh, she inspires me. She inspires me to to be better and to to be a better example to to showcase the things that I hope she will reach for in the future, in her future. All right. Yeah. Do we have any sage words? Okay. okay. Sage words. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about this part and I was trying to think, like, what would have helped me? When I was younger and trying to figure out all of this stuff. And I'm going to say this that I think would have helped me, but I was probably too stubborn when I was younger to actually follow anyone's advice. So I probably wouldn't have changed anything. So (laughs) be be smarter than me, friends. Um, and I'd also like, I would say this to anyone, but particularly to women, because that's what we're taught. Uh, we are taught to validate our worth, uh, our purpose in living by garnering the good opinions of others. So here is my advice to young women, particularly, but to anyone. (laughs) If you're waiting in a dark corner for a man, a woman, a family member, a friend, a stranger, anyone to point in the shadows and deem you special. You're looking for your worth in the wrong place. Try not to need someone else's validation of your talent, of your self-worth, or of your ability to be more than you are right now. Believe in yourself first, then the others will follow. The God who created the stars and the colors of the sunset already said, this is good. You are good. Trust his judgment and practice living instead of waiting to live. Practice living instead of waiting to live. That's beautiful. And there's also forgiveness and grace in practicing forgiveness and grace as we continue on. You know, we're not dead yet. (laughs) (laughs) We're still kicking. (laughs) We can still do this. I mean, even if you are, you know, in the senior area of life, if you still feel like you are in this dark corner waiting for someone to say, you there you know (laughs) come forward no pick you girl like (laughs) you tell yourself to go forward so joy what will you tell future joys (laughs) (laughs) all right well I came up with two things and they're short and to the point and I hope that they'll be helpful for somebody so the first is latch on to the strengths you were born with And don't let anyone make you feel they are a weakness. And I feel like this is something specific to women. I don't know. Not necessarily. I can see this being something for everyone. I can. Because, you know, we're we're born with certain tendencies, but we're often made to feel as if those things are a weakness or they're not worthy or they're not whatever. Or they're not specific to your gender. Yeah. So whatever your tendencies are, whatever your strengths are, latch onto those and don't let anybody try to take them away from you or turn them into something that they're not. So, Mm -hmm. and then the other one 
And this, I had my daughter in mind. So dream up your goals, baby girl, and then make them real. Make them happen. That's empowering. I like it. (laughs) All right. So I think it's time for a QWERTY challenge. Me too. And boy, have we filled up your minds with all kinds of things to think about. (laughs) And (laughs) if you would like to have a conversation with us, we would love to have you email us at editorial at logosandmythospress.com. If you want to bat some ideas back and forth, we'd love to hear about some of the people that are inspiring you today. Um, But our QWERTY challenge for you is to look through your female influences and find inspiration. You can use one of ours or you can find your own. (laughs) They can be people that you know or people that you've only heard of. What do you learn from their experiences? How can you take what you've learned and make the world around you a better place? That's really all we want to do, right? How can you encourage the inspirational women of today and inspire the women of tomorrow? That, that last one, that's going to take some, some dwelling on, and I love that. Guys, I know that this is a longer episode, but it was, it was a necessary one, I think, to kind of understand where we are on equality and where we need to be on equality. And, uh, and, and the theme came up over and over again. Like, I would tell this to, um, I would tell this to anyone, you know, but we're going to talk to women right now. The point is, is that we're all humans. We are all flesh and bone. We are all bleeding red. So let's try to act that way toward each other. Mic drop. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. We hope you guys have an incredible week. So go forth and take a moment to thank a woman in your life for her inspiration. Okay, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May. You just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting cordywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you. <laughs>